So uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We thank you for your presence that we sense. We thank you that we have been able to come before your throne, to come into your presence because of the thanksgiving that's in our heart. We thank you that we have the honor of worshiping you. And we continue to do that this morning as we observe your word, not only your word, but your words to your disciples. Lord, I pray that you would open up every mind, every heart, every set of ears. I pray that we would see in your word what we might not have seen before because today is the day that you've chosen to reveal to us. So I pray that as we make this endeavor, it would be done under the anointing of your spirit and that each one of us under the sound of my voice, could say that we've heard something today from you. I pray in the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Some weeks ago, my wife and I were in a movie theater in Gallatin watching The Chosen, which in essence became episodes one and two of the the most recent season. And uh, we like the Gallatin Theater. It's really nice and comfortable. You know, in the old days, you had to go to the movie theater, and it was really hard to sleep. (laughs) But boy, now you can crack back in those recliners. But I I observed something in, I guess, the second episode. uh, And, you know, it's something I've seen a thousand times, you've seen. And that was the disciples gathering up. Uh, after they had gone out and come back in. <clears throat> and I had an idea, and we will, we will, today is a result of that idea, and the conclusion today will be a direct result of that idea. I've entitled today's message, Few Laborers for a Bountiful Harvest. Now, I would not say few people. In, for a bountiful harvest. We got plenty of people who name the name of Christ. Rob just mentioned some folks in Aust- Austria who name the name of Jesus Christ and are followers of Jesus Christ. But the issue is not people. The issue is laborers. It's interesting that some of your versions, when we read our text in a few moments, some of your versions in place of laborers will say farmers. I just heard this week, don't let me get off too much here, but I just heard this week uh, that two universities, two major universities in our country have now deemed it racist to use the word field. Well, you're just going to have to label me and Jesus a field, I mean a racist today, because I'm going to use the word and he did. So anyway, the amplified version uses the word farmers. And what we're looking at today is that the kingdom of God is not, everybody say not, a spectator sport. Kingdom of God is not a spectator sport. It's not our abdicating to someone else the farming in the field. 
I, I hope that we're coming out of an age uh, that that was very prevalent in an age, 50, 60, 70, last week, I don't know, when we expected the professional clergy to do all of the laboring in the field. We, we even, I even heard people say, well, that's why we hired him. Why should I go out there and do that? That's why we hired the preacher. And I think we're getting beyond that. I pray we are, that people are beginning to get the vision that it's far beyond a professional clergy. The truth is, professional clergy, and I hate even using the word professional, but y'all do pay me. Somebody does anyway. And so I'm, a, you know, we, we are professionals. But anyway, I'm trying to avoid jokes. Should Maybe I should tell jokes. Bob Mumford said if you tell jokes, people start laughing. And if they're laughing, you can get them in the mouth without busting their lip. But we're seeing that we don't abdicate the responsibility of farming the field to the clergy, but we are all in this together. And what I was going to say is the truth is that those of us who would be considered clergy, and I do not have a clergy sticker on my truck, and I'm not going to put one. I do have one that says, Make America Mayberry Again. But that's a whole different issue. But the truth is that the work that's being done in the field, the a small percentage of that is being done by clergy small percentage and that's the way it's supposed to be why because there's less of us i mean think about it in this room here in this group of people there are some of you who here are ordained but if we took all the ordained ministers and brought them up here we'd still be in an extreme minority i think you're getting it and here's the trick we are always in the field we are always in the field. And we must go, and I'll come back to that, but we must go with a sense of being sent. Of being sent. Everything about God and everything about Jesus is sending. And we're going to read this account here in Luke 9, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 9, uh, and then we're going to read that and chapter 10. About Jesus sending out. We will talk in a few moments about Jesus sending out the 12. This particular account is Jesus sending out the 70. And once again, I'm going to read all 20 verses. If for some reason you are not able to stand for the entirety of the reading, I don't think God's going to strike either one of us dead or anything like that. We don't do this because of a law. We don't do this because it's some doctrine. We don't do this because we think we do this. The reason we do this, if you go to when Ezra stood to read the book of the law, the scripture says when Ezra stood to read the book of the law, all the people stood up. Why did they do that? Because they recognized that what he was about to do was to read the very words of God Almighty. And so we don't have a law here or a rule. We have guest speakers who don't do this and we don't care. But we just like to say, let's stand while we read the scripture. And if you can't, that's fine. You're not going to, no law. 
The very last verse of chapter 9 is verse 62. And I, I'm just going to let you go back and read the prior verses. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, everybody say, go your way. I'm going to come back to that, but I want you to remember, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves, carrying no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages." Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. And some your King James will say, shake off the dust. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You can be seated. This Jesus sends out. He did then, he does now. We have a record that we're not going to turn to in Matthew 10 and also Luke 9. We have a record of Jesus initially sending out the 12. If you want to, if you want to know who the 12 disciples are, you can go back to Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 and there's a list. But we have a record of him sending them out at two by two without him. He didn't go with them so they could go out and minister the way he instructed them. And we'll come back to that. But, you know, he gave them instructions like don't take your money back, don't take any sandals, and he gave them specific instructions, and he empowered them to do certain things. 
And the Bible says in chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 1, it says, he went on from there. In other words, he was leaving them. He was leaving them and he was going on to do something else. And here the 12 were, for the first time in quite a while, without their rabbi, without their master. And he had given them instructions. Now, if you don't have to watch The Chosen to figure this out, but these are a bunch of ragtag, motley crew fellows. Someone said at our home group Wednesday night, these guys didn't like each other very much. And they didn't. You can read in the scripture. You don't need a movie to teach you that. They didn't like each other. And they had a lot of questions. And they were bucking to see who could sit to the right hand. And they got mad when when James and John sent their mama to ask, could they sit to the right hand? And the rest of them got mad because they wanted to sit at the right hand. I mean, these are a bunch of rascals. Why would you point that out? Because y'all are a bunch of rascals. <laughs> we're all a bunch of rascals. When you get right down to it. And he told them, proclaim as you go. That's important. Remember we just read, go your way. Proclaim as you go. That's Matthew 10, 7. You remember when we covered, I'm not going back, but remember we covered the what we call the Great Commission. And it, it says go and make disciples. And we pointed out that in the original vernacular it could be better translated as you go. Some people translate it while you are on your way, make disciples. Uh, there's nothing wrong with adopting a specific direct mission that you would go over here and do something. But I want to tell you that every step you take in your life, every breath that you breathe in your life, you're on your way somewhere. You're on your way. You're going. I'll come back to that. And while you are going, make disciples. And here's your message. With the 12, in in Matthew 10, the message was this. The kingdom of God is at hand. This was sort of a new message to them. You could read some of the best scriptures about the kingdom of God are in Daniel, some in Isaiah. But here Jesus arrives and says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And basically he said, Mark 1, he said, the reason I can say that is because I'm here. I'm here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he said, go your way and proclaim. He tells them, Later on in that passage, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And you immediately think, well, that can't be me. He would never speak through me. You'd be surprised. You would be surprised how many times God has spoken through you and you didn't even know it. Because we think if God's going to speak through us, we get this chill bump ooey gooey loosey goosey emotional moment we oh you just speak and you'd be surprised how many times you have said something to somebody and god has spoken through you it's god who speaks and he told them what i tell you in the dark you go say it in the light 
What I tell you over here in this corner is not to stay in the corner. What you hear on Sunday morning, whether it be me or anyone else, is not intended to say, boy, that was great. Where are we going to eat? Now, I say that too, by the way. You might not have noticed, I eat. But what I tell you in the dark, you tell it in the light. So he sends the 12 out. We have, ironically enough, we have less reporting. Oh, I thought that was my phone, Belisa. We have less reporting of the 12 than we do the, the 70. And I'll come back to that in a moment. He gives longer instructions to the 12, but we have less reporting of them. Well, then in Luke, Luke 10, we, he sends out the 70 or the 72. I'll just take a moment here. Some manuscripts say there were 70 of them. Some manuscripts say there were 72. You say, which was it? 70 or 72? Yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, except for the two who got left out in one of the translations. I don't know who that might have been. But so you'll see the rest of my time. You'll see 70 or 72. You take your pick. So he takes. It's not clear to me. It may be clear to someone smarter than me, whether the 12 were included in this 70. Quite possibly they were. But now he's sending out 70 or 72 to basically do the same thing. He gives similar instructions for them to go out into the, into the field. And he makes this statement. I'm sure he made something similar to this to the 12, but he makes this statement. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the farmers are few. The harvest is bountiful. The harvest is plentiful. Now I want to tell you something. I don't have to tell you this and you already know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We live in an age when the harvest is plentiful. We want to concentrate on all the negative things we see in the news and all the things that irritate us and all the things our government officials do and don't do and say and don't say. And, you know, some of that, that's entertaining. But I want to tell you that out there, there's a wealth of people whose hearts as Jesus said in another place, are ripe, whose hearts are white for harvest. There's a wealth of people that you encounter who need hope. And they're trying to find hope in various sources and various places when they can only find hope in the Lord Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but there's few farmers that's a problem and then he says in verse three as i said a while ago go your way go your way and here's the message it's a similar message and it's i think the difference here is not the difference in jesus but the difference here is matthew's perspective and luke's perspective but in luke's gospel when he tells the 70 to go out he tells them here's your message the kingdom of god has come near you Now, there's no difference in that, and the kingdom of God is at hand. The whole issue is the kingdom of God has now come in the person of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is near you. The fact is our message 
should be the gospel of the kingdom of God because that's what Jesus' message was. And you can't preach the gospel of the kingdom of God without preaching about the king of the kingdom. Every kingdom has a king. Took a long time to figure that out. The kingdom of God has come near you. So he sends them out. They go out and they minister. They, you know, they pray for people and all, you know, all things. We don't have a detailed description, but they do go out and, and then they come back. Here's one difference. When he sends out the 12, I don't find any record where they came back and reported to Jesus. I don't find that. I'm sure they did. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty positive they did, but I don't see the record. But we do have a record of the 70 going out under the instruction of Jesus and coming back. It, it says the 70 in verse 17, it says they returned. They returned. And I was reading that one day and it, it occurred to me, how did they return? I'm going to tell you how they returned. Surprised. <laughs> Surpri- I really appreciated in the most recent, one of the most recent episodes of The Chosen, when they were portraying this, the disciples, when they would pray for someone and they were healed or someone's eyes were opened, they would go, they were, they, they shocked. They were shocked that this happened. They couldn't wait to go tell somebody. Surprised. But they also came back with joy. They came back with joy because they felt, Jesus said, I have given you the power. They felt that power. They don't know where it came from. They weren't, they weren't perfect. My goodness, we know they weren't perfect. I mean, this is a, again, they're a bunch of clowns. And yet, God worked through them. I don't miss this. God can work through you too. And if you really want to get silly about it, God used a donkey, he can use you. Oh, and he can use me too. They came back with joy and they said, man, even the demons, even the demons obeyed us. Even the demons were subject to us. <laughs> I, I, Brother Charles Simpson tells a story about a mailman who's going delivering his mail. He's got his, his bag of mail on his shoulder. And uh, he gets to a particular house and there's a bad dog. There, bad dog might just bite. And so the mailman finds a really good stick and beats that dog. Yeah, come on, animal rights people, don't get upset. They're sacrificing animals in Michigan now, so you can't get upset with me. At least I made a law. He got a stick and he ran that dog off so he could deliver his mail. And then he, he stood there a minute and he said, well, that's pretty good. I got that stick. And I ran that dog off. So then the mailman dropped his mailbag and went chasing other dogs. This is pretty good. I got this stick. Let's go chase some other dogs. One thing he forgot, though, his mission wasn't to chase dogs. His mission was to deliver the mail. And sometimes, 
especially back in the earlier days of the charismatic movement, we would find out that we could cast out demons and people run around looking behind everything. Is there a demon under here? Just cast that thing out of here. Somebody would sneeze. They'd start casting demons out of them. Why? Because we'd found a stick that interested us, but we forgot our mission was not to go looking for demons. Our mission was to preach the kingdom of God. And when somebody needed to be set free, we would encounter them with the power of the kingdom of God and they would get set free. And that's the kind of way they came back. Well, this is pretty good right here. We're going to start our own deliverance ministry. And Jesus said, you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I've told you before, I get amused at some of these commentaries. You know, again, Brother Charles Simpson, I heard him say that the commentaries... The Bible sheds a lot of light on the commentaries. And, and they want to talk. Some want to say that when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, some want to say that Jesus saw Satan and the third of heaven and his angels kicked out of heaven, removed. Some want to say that's not what it is, that he saw Satan defeated while the 70 were ministering. And I, I'm just a... Simple-minded boy from the panhandle of Florida, but I'm thinking, why not both? Why not? Jesus saw Satan expelled from heaven, but he also saw him fall like lightning when the disciples were casting out demons. Go figure. He says, I gave you the power. I have given you. The power tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We have no reason, saints. Everybody say no reason. We have no reason to subject ourselves to the power of the enemy. No reason. Please don't be afraid of the devil. He's had his teeth removed. He may be going around like a roaring lion, but unless you buy his lies, all he can do is gum you to death. And he can't even do that. They were happy. They were sent out with a mission. They came back, reported to Jesus more, more of the mission than we have recorded. And Jesus gave them a lesson about that. Well, there's a lesson there for us because not only did Jesus send out the 12 and not only did Jesus send out the 70, Jesus sends us out. Jesus sends us out. We see in the scripture the God who sends, the Father who sends And we see the one that he sent, that's Jesus, who comes to earth. And then we see the ones who Jesus sent, specifically his disciples, but by proxy that becomes us because we're his disciples. In his prayer to the Father, Jesus said this, As you, Father, sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Into the world. God sent the Son. The Son sends His disciples into the world. And then as He's sharing 
before his departure as he's sharing with the disciples in John 20. He makes this statement, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Do you get the message that Jesus is in the sending posture? And that the kingdom of God is God sending the Son and the Son sending us? And then the next verse, after he tells them, I'm sending you, the next verse says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this was not the day of Pentecost, and yet they received the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they would receive the Holy Spirit to overflowing. But Jesus said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You, you can't do, you can't do what God has sent you to do without the Holy Spirit. He knew they could. The summation of what he's saying here is this, as the Father has sent me on a special commission or mission, I also send you, everybody say, that's me, and charge you to go forth and accomplish this mission of mine. When we were born again, when you were born again by the Spirit of God, when you woke up one day regenerated by the power and the Spirit of God, you were born by default into a mission. By the way, you were also born into a war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. But you were born by default into a mission, and that mission is the mission of Jesus Christ. That he literally, he began that while on the earth, but he left with instructions for us to continue. He said to the Father, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. He had completed his mission. He had completed his mission. The effects of that mission are are ongoing. The mission did not cease when Jesus went to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. But that mission is still, everybody say still, still ongoing. That mission is still operating. And it's operating by and with farmers, laborers. Romans 10.15 says, How shall they herald or proclaim the gospel unless they are sent? And let me just say this, some lessons from sending of the 12 and the 70 or 72. Take your pick. First of all, power, we, we go, we have a power and authority to confront the enemy forces, and that power is to advance the kingdom, not to look for sensationalism. Not to entertain ourselves. But it's to confront the, the evil forces of the enemy. He told them to preach the kingdom and heal the sick. We have a message of another kingdom. We have a message of a kingdom that is identified with righteousness, peace, and joy rather than a kingdom that's identified with hate 
and evil and darkness. Preach the kingdom and heal the sick. You should pray for the sick. You say, well, what happens if they don't get healed? What happens if they do? Because if you pray for the sick and they are healed, you have no reason to get proud. You have no reason to think, well, I'm a powerful man of God or woman right here now, or I healed the sick. No, you prayed for the sick. Now, you heal the sick, the terminology is used, but you're never going, that's never going to happen without the Holy Spirit. If you pray for the sick and they're not healed, you can't be getting down in the mully grubs and say, well, what did I do wrong? It's none of your business. God's the healer. I can't answer the question for you today. Why some people, you pray for them and they're miraculously healed. I can't answer that question today. And why you pray for some and they're not. Or they're not then and they are later. I can't answer those questions. But I can answer you this question. Jesus said, preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Another thing he told them, and I'm, I'm just sort of grouping this together, do not rely on your own resources. He said, don't take a, don't take a money bag, don't take a knapsack. He told them not even to take their sandals. Bunch of barefooted evangelists. Go out there and don't rely on your own resources. Now, obviously when we go out into the field, we don't go, uh, necessarily the same way they did. We, most of us, most of the time, we wear shoes. I hope. Um, although when I was a kid roaming the sandy streets of uh, Panama City, Florida, Springfield, Florida, I was barefooted most of the time. And he's been telling you a lot about me right there. But we do go and we don't rely on our own resources. And then he said prepare for obstacles and prepare for op- opposition. And we already know that if we go with the message of the kingdom, that we can prepare ourselves for opposition. We can prepare ourselves for obstacles to get in our way. The world, by nature, opposes the gospel. By nature. Here's the sad part. The church often opposes the gospel. Or anything out of the box. The church will oppose it. I'm not getting off on that. Y'all just hang on. He said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep in the midst of wolves. I want you to be wise or as shrewd as a serpent and harmless or unmixed or innocent as a dove. That's how you go out. I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And as we go out, as we engage with people, Leave it to God to deal with those who reject the gospel. Leave that to God. Don't try to straighten them out. Don't try to beat them up. Let God deal with those who reject the gospel. How do we go? Well, we go unoccupied with self. You can't go with your own program. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Everything that we do must be serving the Father and the Son. 
Now, you do a lot of stuff. You go to work, you create stuff, and you have businesses, and you write songs, and you sew things, and you make things, and you repair things, and you put things back together. All of that, you do that, and you do it as well as it can be done. You do it with excellence, and you do it to make income. There's nothing wrong with making income. Nothing wrong with making a profit if you have a business as a matter of fact, if you have a business, please make a profit. Don't cheap your way out of business. Make enough money, you can be in business next year. Because I might want to buy something from you. I hate it when I go to a place and, and I like what they have, but they have decided they're going to have to be cheaper than everybody else. And then I go back to buy something from them, and they're out of business because they didn't make a profit. Say, so is this a finance class? Well... Jesus used capitalism as an example for one of his lessons. Oh, boy, I just lost some folks right there. We, we, we need to be devoted to God and to the disregard of our own interests. Here's, the, here's an interesting part. He said, go find a house and become a part of that house. He, so we are... We are assimilated into our surroundings. Now, let me just say this, and I'll talk more about this next week. Oh, Lord. I'm not talking about necessarily standing on a street corner and doing, you know, shaking the finger. I'm not talking about that. Now, there are times for that. There are places for that. My wife and I, one of the first Mayberry Days festivals we went to in Mount Airy, North Carolina, I believe it was the one where they celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Andy Griffith show that when it started. And there were 50,000 people in this little town for this festival. And there was a guy standing on the street corner and he was wearing it out. I mean, he was condemning and you're going to hell. And you, and I told her, I said, you know, of all the places that he could come, to preach that kind of a message, he comes to a town full of Mayberry people? I'm not saying they were all Christians, but my goodness, Mayberry people? Go somewhere else with that message. So I, and the problem is when, when I, when you hear a message like this, people start thinking, well, I, I can't, I can't go out there and start, I can't go out there and stand on the street, or I can't just walk up to somebody and start preaching the gospel. You want to know something? Neither can I. Neither can most of you. Some of you can. And I admire you for that. So I don't have to just stay out of next week's message, but I want you to understand that we're not talking about some flamboyant preaching to a tree if it moves. I'm not talking about that. You can preach to the tree if you want to, but I doubt it will respond. I'm talking about living our everyday lives. I'm talking about as you go, while you are on your way. Remember the principle of the vine? The vine grows out from the pot, and whatever it touches, it attaches itself to. Wherever God has you go, go, watch what he attaches you to. Pay attention to the opportunities. Pay attention to that opportunity to share hope with someone. 
pay attention to the opportunity to pray with someone about their sick child. Whether you're in a restaurant, whether you're at the post office, whether you're at the gym, uh, whether you are uh, at the supermarket, whether you're standing next to a parent on an athletic field, when your kids or grandkids are playing, watch for the opportunity to share just a seed. See, we're not asking you to, to choke them with the gospel. We're asking you to plant a seed of the gospel. And you don't have to be a preacher. As a matter of fact, don't be a preacher. Just be you. Just be who you are. And just share with a friend. And if they need prayer, pray with them. If they've got a problem, pray. If they've got an illness, pray with them. Then they let God be God. I'm trying, I'm trying to relieve a bunch of you of this guilt or this burden that you got to go run out of here and start chasing people down. You don't have to do that. Just go to work. Just go wherever you work. Go wherever you play. And look and pay attention. Some of you are already there. But you assimilate yourself into your surroundings and then let God use you there. Now, so for some people, God's going to give you a direction. Go down there and meet those people. That's good. Go to that place and preach the gospel. That's good. But most people, most people do not get that direction. Be all things to all people. But while you're assimilating, make sure we have a clear contrast. While you are engaging with those who are outside the kingdom of God, make sure you don't become like those outside the kingdom of God. You don't have to, you don't have to be, do, adopt their thinking and their morals or lack thereof to assimilate with them. The other thing, and I'll, Lord help me. The other thing is, don't be a space cadet. Man, we got enough space cadets going around under the name and guise of Jesus Christ. And they say things and they do things. And you remember the, well, it's probably not old enough, but the dog on the RCA Victor commercials. You know, that dog, it would go cock his head to the side. And that's the way I do it, some of these space cadets. What in the round world are you talking about? You don't have to be that. Oh, goodness. We're authorized. He said, if those who hear you, hear me. Those who reject you, reject me. Those who reject me, reject him who sent me. Basically says the same thing in John 13. We go empowered because after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you you will receive power to be my witnesses. We go carrying the message of the kingdom. Watch this verse, John 3, 34. For he whom God has sent, I'd like you to say, I'm sent. I say it like you mean it. I'm sent. He, for he who God has, whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. You can trust that if God has sent you, he will give you the words through the Holy Spirit. Go being the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. Work the works of him. Jesus said, who sent me? Work the works. 
I love that we sang today that God is always working. Jesus said, he said, uh, my father who is in heaven is working even now, and so am I working. So getting to heaven is not floating on a cloud and playing a harp. Now, I hope there's some harp music up there. But getting to heaven, there's going to be productivity. There's going to be work, and not work with thorns and thistles and weeds, but work that's productive. God's working right now, saints. Work's not evil. Work's not a curse. We, we, we take, we look at the Genesis, we think, well, work's a curse. No, work's not a curse. It's working with all the obstacles we have. That's the curse. Work is God. Shine your light before others. And here's how I want to close this out. Today, if you would allow me, I would like to send you out of this place. I'd like you to come back. Don't get me wrong. I want to send you out of this place. And those of you watching online, and I know there's a number of you, I'd like to send you out from your place, wherever that is. And again, just go where you normally go unless you get a specific call of God. Let me tell you, let me tell you, there's enough of a harvest where you normally go. You don't have to go looking for some special places. Send you out. This is your homework, by the way. I'm giving you homework. Well, I just lost a bunch more right there. I don't even like homework in school and I don't like homework now. Your homework is to be sent out of this place into wherever your footsteps are taken by God's guidance and leading. It's going to be misspelled on the slide, but Max Licato said, we sing onward Christian soldiers on Sunday and go AWOL on Monday. I'm asking you not to go AWOL on Monday, but be onward Christian soldiers on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and you see where we're headed. And here's then here's what I want you to do. Next Sunday, now everybody can't be here next Sunday. I can't be here every Sunday. You probably noticed. But who, those of you who can, I want you to return, and then I want you to give us a report. What is it that God used you for this week? What encounter did you have? It, it, it may not be anything that's going to make TV, but maybe you encouraged a single mom with some words. Maybe, I mean, y'all could go down the list. You, I don't have to. There's so many examples, but I won't, and of course, obviously, every one of us can't share next week. We never had a whole problem with everybody wanting to come up here and share. But I'd like to have at least three, and we'll see where that goes, but at least three of you to come back next Sunday and report what happened when you were sent out. Tell me. Tell, no, don't tell me. Tell us. Tell the people watching at home. What God, how did God use you? You might have prayed for a sick person. You might have prayed 
uh, for someone who was who just needed some hope. You might have even God give you gave you the opportunity to pray with someone to come into the kingdom of God to be born again. Woo wee! All the angels in heaven going to shout about that one. Whatever it is, you you get the you get the picture. Now we're going to do this for more than one Sunday. Send you out. Go out into the field with the seed of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Come back and share with us. I hope you come back shared, sharing surprised. Now don't be so religious on me that you would say, oh, I, I knew that was going to happen. No, you didn't. Don't tell me you did because you didn't. Now, you believe God, but when you pray for someone and something happens, uh, I remember one year the kids went down to Mexico for a, a mission trip. And I wasn't there, but I was told about it. And uh, they found this lady who was blind, and a bunch of the teenagers, young teenagers, gathered around that woman and started praying for her. Her eyes opened. She could see. They didn't know what to do. They were jumping around. Why were they jumping around? Because they were surprised. I mean, yeah, we, we expected God to do something, but then he did. <laughs> Come back surprised. Stand with me and we'll dismiss. Revelation teaches us that they, the saints, overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You want to defeat the enemy? You come back next week, return next week, and tell us the word of your testimony of what God has done. Don't forget your homework. Lord Jesus, we pray today that uh, your Holy Spirit has spoken to us. We pray that that uh, we would go about our lives, for most of us, that we would go about our lives in a way that we would watch. We would have watchful eyes. Maybe we go where we've always gone before. Maybe we see the people we've always seen before. But this time, let us see what we didn't see before. Let us hear what we didn't hear before. Let us be aware of that opportunity that you're giving us to advance your kingdom and to proclaim, as you told the 12 and the 70 and the 72, to proclaim the kingdom of God is near them because this is still true. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for an anointing on everyone under the sound of my voice that as they go out, they go out in your power. They go out in your strength. They go out with your anointing, Lord God, and that we would see your kingdom come to the earth and we would see your will be done in the earth just like it's being done in heaven. And it would be done through your saints, through your farmers who are going out and working in the field. Thank you for all of this. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.